Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, here we go. It's a Friday. Ed, Tyler, Danny's still running the show. Still don't know where Jared is. Where He's supposed Jared? to be back next week? <laughs> I guess we'll see no if I get a text over the weekend. <laughs> There's no chance he returns. Danny will be here on Monday. I was going to say, I have not heard from him this whole week. Not that I would normally, I guess, expect to when he's gone. But... Well, we usually get some kind of text with uh, some kind of guest that's coming up like a week from now. Yes. Either and, that uh, or some, some type of event that has happened to him. Yeah, some type of event in his life. It's just a random text at 2 in the morning. When none, nobody's up except Jared. That's right. Yeah, we'll find that on Monday. By the way, nothing says that the NFL season is back like a blowout in primetime. True. All the primetime yes. games end up being blowouts. Well, all, Thurs- yeah, all Thursday night games, you're right. And they're, and usually, that's a, those are good teams last night, but usually I haven't looked at the schedule closely enough to say if they put all bad teams on Thursday nights like usual this year, but they're usually Bad teams and bad games. I'm pretty sure all they the done that? Thursday night games this year are on Amazon Prime only, um, which is annoying. But uh, there's no way they gave Amazon Prime just a whole bunch of bad games, right? Like they can't, like they well, couldn't have just sold because normally it's like, ah, oh, Thursday night football, it's on the NFL Network or something like that. No, next Thursday we get Chargers Chiefs. Uh oh, there we go. Oh, so they've changed their uh, they've changed their stripes, and then week three is. Steelers at Browns. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So they're back to it. Um, Amazon Prime. I get that. Do I have to pay more for the NFL game? No. If you're a Prime subscriber, you will get the the game for free. Well, not free, but you'll get the game when you log into Amazon Prime. Okay. And so. what's coming up on Hulu that I'm going to get? The Golden Knights, they'll play one game on Hulu in the future. I don't Maybe know. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Maybe when you said their schedule and there's a Hulu, I'm like, yeah. I get Hulu. But that's not till March. You got like, okay, you know. all right, I got a little time. Laurent Brossois might be back by the time they're on Hulu. <laughs> well, let's not go crazy about that. <laughs> end of the year might not mean calendar year. It might mean the end of uh, uh, the season in 2023. The First Bite. Are the Raiders or Chargers more likely to take down the Chiefs in the AFC West? Let's overreact on Friday. Oh, I'm ready to overreact on Monday. I'm very excited to overreact and call one of these no, teams a bum. D- d- oh, depending on what happens. Yeah, and one of these teams, Super Bowl contenders. Contenders? Oh, cannot wait for Monday. It's going to be great. I'm still going to say this sounds uh, crazy to those Raider fans out there, but I still say the Chargers are more apt to do it. So... How much should we overreact to this first game? Like, this, I mean, I mean, it's very let's overreact much. Overreact a lot. I mean, yeah, that's what we do. But like, you have an AFC West that is wide open to an extent. I mean, it's not the Chiefs are still the favorites, but all four teams at the end of the season, if one of the four teams won, I don't think there's one team that you'd be like, "Wow, how the hell did that happen?" I might do that with Denver. I see. I both of us are kind of on the same page with not expecting Denver to be that good, but. Right. If you told me they won the division, I wouldn't be that stunned. You wouldn't be. No. I mean, it's not like the Texans suddenly won their division or the Jets won their division. Like, Broncos are going to be a good team. Just they're in a tough division that I don't think is – I think it's going to be too tough for them to actually win out. So, I just – the division is as open as it's been one through four in 
a long time, maybe forever. Well, yeah, because the Chiefs have just yeah. dominated for so long. I mean, it might and it might be forever since the AFC West has existed that you have all four teams that think they're good and all four teams could be playoff level teams. But I I view like obviously it's one week and we're gonna overreact to it, but Absolutely. it is gonna be an overreaction. Yes. But it does feel like Chargers Raiders. Whoever wins week one, we're talking about their legit plus two instead of plus one, baby. It's a division game. Like we're we're talking about, hey, that team can contend with the Chiefs. I it just feels like we're gonna (laughs) that's gonna be the takeaway. So whoever wins this game, whoever it is, is gonna be one and four. We're like, wait a minute, (laughs) we made a mistake. That would be funny. (laughs) Um, But that I don't know. It just feels like one of these two teams is gonna give the Chiefs a legitimate challenge in the division. And obviously winning your first game against that divisional opponent is, I think, a big deal. It's, it's going to be a big deal, deal because it's a division game. So I can't wait to overreact, but I'm yes. trying to tell you I don't know that it's going to be that big of an overreaction. You're you're on fire this morning. You're, you're, you're ready to go to the Super Bowl with whoever wins this That's game. That's right. That's what I'm doing. Week one, whoever wins, put them in the Super Bowl. Put them in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Or at least in the AFC Championship and losing to Buffalo. Buffalo uh, yeah. With Josh Allen running down the field? Right. Something like that. But that's just, I don't know, it feels like... As big of a week one game as you could have, given the stakes in this division. Because that's what we've talked about all offseason with the AFC West is, oh, there's four good teams, but they're going to cannibalize themselves, right? Like, the Raiders might be the fifth or sixth best team in the AFC and miss the playoffs because their schedule is going to be so difficult because they don't get to play the Texans or the Jags, or they don't get to play the Jets. Like, all of their divisional games are going to be good teams. So... I think it's it's one of the most important week one games this season, but also in a long time for the Raiders because of sort of what it means within the division. All right. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to be here on Monday. So I oh, can't, we're calling uh, so you I anyways. Can't. Yeah. For we're grades. calling you at some point. That's yeah. right. 730 you're, grades. You are you overreacting. Might be only be for 15 minutes, but you are overreacting <laughs> with us on Monday. It is happening. Somebody needs to be fired. Somebody needs a lifetime yes. promotion. Uh, that's what we're doing. Chargers lose this game. You got to get Brandon Staley out of there. Don't let him ruin another year of Justin Herbert. Chargers win. Staley give him a lifetime contract. Yeah. And yes, we'll be talking up. about McDaniels and uh, Ziggler. That's right. One game. Get out of here. If they, listen, if Derek Carr gets sacked six times, oh, oh get out of here. Ziggler, you not blew improving it. the offensive line. You blew it. Get out of here. We don't have that. We don't have time for that anymore. Um, in this matchup, do you think Devontae Adams has a massive game? In week one. I actually do because we've heard so much. And I'll be disappointed if he doesn't only because we've heard so much about this weird connection between Derek Carr and him <laughs> dating back to Fresno. Can we talk about Fresno State again? Because I don't think that's been talked about enough. Do they have a I telepathic mean, connection? What's massive? 100 plus? Yeah. 100 yards. He builds like a Cooper Cup? Yeah. 100 and something yards in this game. And here's the thing. You mentioned the whole connection between Derek oh, Carr and Devontae heard enough Adams. about that. Imagine, imagine first drive of the game, it's third and eight, and Devontae Adams runs a, the wrong route or something. Carr overthrows him because he stopped when he was supposed to go. Oh, that'd be funny. But the other important part of this, besides their whole fake telepathic connection, Chargers are probably going to be without J.C. Jackson. Right. They're uh, should be best I don't corner. think he plays. The guy they signed from New England... Uh, Taylor Biscotti reported earlier this week he wasn't expected to play. Brandon Staley came out and said it'll be a game-time decision. Yeah, I don't think he plays. Which I agree with you. I think that's just Brandon Staley trying to be like, oh, he might play. Which, in reality, probably won't. So, the Chargers secondary, not that it's going to be weak, but will be weaker than expected. And I think if when we look at the Raiders this year, and if you're going to win games because your pass offense is so good, 
Adams should have a big game. Like this is a game where he needs to have a massive game because the other teams without JC Jackson or Renfro or Waller needs to have a massive game because the Chargers committed so many resources to covering Adams, right? Like if Adams gets doubled or bracketed on right, then Renfro or Waller snap, has to do something, right? But presumably they're not going to do that all the time. So to me, this feels like if your pass offense is really going to carry you, if your pass offense is really going to hide the offensive line problems, this is the type of game divisional opponent. So it's a massive game and they're without their top cornerback. Probably this is a game where Devonte Adams needs to have a big one. Otherwise we're going to look around and say, eh, how much can the pass offense really carry this team? That's a good point because everyone has always said that I'm not saying decoy, but like you said, if he gets bracketed or he gets doubled, that they're still good enough to win a game. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see him get 45 yards and still see if they right. can win a game. Yeah. That would still yes. see, you know, because uh, that's what everyone said. Well, he's got so many weapons now, and Redfro's so good, and Waller's back, and you know, uh, if if he has an off week, it doesn't matter because the other guys are so good. So, if he has forty five yards and they lose by two touchdowns, and all of a sudden it's like, well, right, were they as good without him? Right. Or if he has forty five yards and we're getting, you know, the replays on TV of, hey, look at this, they've got a safety over the top of Devontae Adams, so Hunter Renfro runs the opposite way and right. he's open, like. That's what you would expect if the Chargers commit that many resources. But also, if you're defending the Raiders, I feel like you can't just go all out to stop Devontae Adams because of Renfro and Waller. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not like, oh, uh, it's Mac Hollins. We're going to make Mac Hollins beat you. I mean, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller will, they'll beat you. Like, we've seen them do that. Hell, Hunter Renfro did it last year when he was the number one guy yes. the defense is worried about. So, if I'm the Chargers, I don't think I'm committing too many extra resources to Devontae Adams, which essentially means he should have a big game. Yes. Um, talked about it all off season. How's the offensive line look in this game? Well, they better not look like the Rams <laughs> because is, if they do, it's going to be a long day. Uh, is Jermaine Eleanor starting? I right believe, yes. Yes. Jermaine, uh, Luminor, uh, in the, uh, I guess in the, uh, Scrums the other day uh, slipped and said, when I'm starting. Oh, when oh. I, if I start, if Ooh. I start. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, Slipped up a little there. Slipped up a little. So he's starting at right tackle. Lester Cotton is starting at left guard. I believe so, yes. Which would give you Andre James at center, Colton Miller, Colton Miller. at left tackle. Yeah. And who am I forgetting here? I'm Who's left to... guard? No, Lester Cotton's the left guard. Anyways. Blanking on somebody, whoever their right guard is at the moment. That's that's what they get for not bringing anybody in. I was about to say Denzel Good, but it's not Denzel no. Good. Uh, John Simpson. It's John, John Simpson. Simpson. So there's your starting offensive line that I fumble through here. Um, I have a feeling like we're t we're overreacting on Monday to the front office not fixing the offensive line because you're going. No, up we're against, gonna overreact to that. Yeah, I mean you're going up against Mac and Bosa. I, I I have a feeling we're talking about the Raiders lost this game. Derek Carr got sacked three times. Derek Carr got hit another six times. Derek Carr fumbled once or twice, and that's why they lost the game. I, that's that's what I feel like is happening because you're, this division has ridiculously good pass rushers on every single team, and you're going up against Mack and Bosa in week one with Jermaine Elmanor, Lester Cotton, Andre James, and John Simpson across the offensive line. So, like, basically, if Col here's the thing. If Colton Miller ever has a bad game. Oh, they're really in trouble. <laughs> like, Colton Miller has to be one of the top, easily top five tackles right. again yes, that's, in the NFL. He has to, like, repeat what he's been doing. And if he has, like, any time that he has a bad game, if he has a bad quarter, the Raiders probably lose. Because if he has a bad quarter, they're not getting a first down. 
If Colton Miller has a bad quarter, they're going an entire quarter without a first down. They're probably turning it over if Colton Miller has a bad quarter because who's blocking anybody if Colton Miller has a bad quarter? So I think that's that's my prediction for week one overreaction on that's Monday. That's our overreaction. We do nothing but overreact right. here. Is that the Mon- is that the offensive line didn't get fixed and it was the obvious hole to fix the entire offseason and in week one they get exposed by the Chargers. So what you're saying is bet the over sack problem. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> is there one? Uh, I don't know if there's one for that game, but there was last <laughs> night, and it flew over. Did you have it? No, I didn't. What's wrong with you? Yeah, oh, I what don't do you, know. You didn't. Come on. Come doing, on, Danny. Danny. I made other bets. I just didn't take that Come one. Come on, man. Oh, man. How'd you do? I uh, went two and one. The only right. one I lost was the uh, successful two-point conversion. Oh, that's right. You told us that yesterday. The only one you told us about was the one yes. you lost? Yeah. yeah. You told us that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Danny, when we come back from break, I want to know what the sack total is in the Raiders game, if they have it, obviously. I'll I'll check to see if they have it. Uh, stuff like that usually doesn't come out until the, like the day before or even the morning of, but I'll check. Because I'd probably set it at very high. It'll... Like, Six It'll and a half. usually be. <laughs> Six and a half. It's usually somewhere in the ballpark of Three. like five, five oh. and a half. Oh, because that's, it's both that's... teams combined. Oh, it's combined. I yeah. thought it was like one team. Oh, occasionally you can night? do. Occasionally you can do separate teams. Like uh, last night's total, both teams combined was six and a half, and I think there was ten or eleven. Well, Stafford got sacked seven times right. by himself. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, both teams combined for Sunday will probably be around five and a half, maybe, maybe even six because both teams have good ends. I'd Make go it over. 10 and a half. I'd go over on Make the six it 10 and, and a half. half. <laughs> Cars getting sacked eight times. Stidham another three. Don't even need the chargers to play. Stidham. Yeah. Stidham. Stidham's good. It's going to be a blowout there. Yeah, we got to protect car. He's getting crushed <laughs> out there. All right. Coming up next. We'll jump into the Thursday night game as the bills blew out the Rams. Now it's real season. One Oh three of the NFL is underway. Josh hands it off. No, keeps it. Rolls to his right. Fires a man wide open. It is caught. It is caught by Davis. Runs into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. A beautiful play-action pass. Amazing. A 26-yard touchdown pass on third down to Gabe Davis. Touchdown, Bills. Stafford has it. Sets the laces. Throws right side. End zone. Cooper Cup. Touchdown, L.A. Nine to ten for six. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Coming up at 8:30, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire is going to answer your fantasy football questions. You can text him in now or wait till 8:30, a little before then. Uh, 69187 is the Finley Kia text line. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN, whatever your fantasy question is, and send it to 69187. We will ask those to Jeff Erickson. Uh, a little bit later in the show. That's coming up at 8.30. So the text line again, 69187. Type ESPN before your message. Uh, the Bills beat the Rams 31-10 to to open the NFL season. Buffalo outgained the Rams 413-243. to uh, Is the most impressive part of that game is that the Bills had four turnovers and still scored 31 <laughs> points? The most impressive part other than Josh Allen with 40 fantasy points? I know that well. Uh, yeah, to still have four turnovers. Would they have three at the half and it was 10-10? Yeah, and then 21 points kind in of the feel second good. half. As Allen said afterwards, you kind of feel good when it's 10-10 you only, and you already have three turnovers. Uh, they did not punt. They uh, score, They either scored, turned it over, yeah. or ran the clock out on They're every new possession. punter. Yeah. They, they really drafted a punter for a team that doesn't ever punt. Right. 
They like what was the side? I think they haven't punted in four of their last six games or something going back to last year. Like, why'd you draft a punter? Who regardless of what it was. So uh the kind of the, the turnovers though, Stafford to some degree canceled them out because he threw three picks of his own. So the Bills were only minus one, not you know, minus four over there. So one game into the season. Bill's the best team in the NFL. Oh, let's overreact and say yes. There's no question about it. Is there any question that they're not the best team in the NFL? I mean, they've only played one team. Well, it was the Super Bowl champion. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> I'm overreacting. Irrelevant. Uh, Von Miller going to Buffalo is interesting. Boy. I don't know that they're going to be that good as a pass rush every single week, but if the Bills are going to be that good as a pass rush every single week, they're going to win every single game, and it's not going to matter if they turn the ball over right. four times or not because Stafford... Got sacked seven times in that game. It's the most sacks the Sean McVay team has ever allowed. And this stat was from um, NFL's uh, next-gen stats. All seven sacks came with a four-man pressure or less. They or did, less? Yeah. Some, well, I think one came with three a three-man pressure. They didn't have to blitz. Right. To get to him. And sacked Stafford seven, seven times. times. Not like, oh, they got two. They got seven sacks with four man pressure. That is insane. Yeah. Like the bills, they're, they're not going to lose. If that happens, if you have Josh, no, they're going to score enough, right? And the offense, and you can get that much pressure with four. They're going 17 and no, it's, it's going to happen. Now. I don't think they're going to do that every game, right? They're going to run into better offensive lines. They're going to run into teams that can scheme to beat some specific weakness. They end up having, but their ceiling is very, very high. And if that pass rush is half of that in most of their games, they're winning 13, 14 games this year, regardless of how difficult their schedule is. They're going to be ridiculously good. I mean, he was, how about him coming back and, and doing that to his team on a night where I think the, the banner went up? They yep. got, did they get the rings? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember a ring ceremony last night. You didn't see it, Danny? I don't know. I didn't. I missed the like half of the first I mean, quarter. He's, so. how, about, how about Josh Allen? And Chris Collinsworth said that the game's out of hand. The game's out of hand. It's over, and he's still running. I, I thought that too on that one play where he ran, and it's like thirty-one to ten. I'm like, uh, like Chris Collinsworth said, I'm like, do you still need to rerun in this guy as valuable as he is? Now maybe he just took off because he you, likes to run. You need the fantasy points, Ed. Come on. I got forty yeah. out of the guy. Do I need more than forty? You only had thirty-nine before that run. That's true. I you did. Needed, only have you 39. needed the extra point. So Josh Allen's game, he completed 84% of his passes, 297 yards, uh, four total touchdowns, did throw two picks, had 56 rushing yards. Are Let we him going, in rushing. Are we going completely over the top with Bills oh, as Super Bowl favorites and Josh Allen's the MVP yeah. favorite? Which one of those is more likely to happen? That the Bills win the Super Bowl or he's the MVP? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I think it's MVP. I'm actually going to say him winning the MVP yeah. because there's – a lot of good teams right. yeah. that could win the Super it's, Bowl. The Bills could be, you know, 14 and three and then and get know, upset. Lose how they lost last year to Kansas yeah, City. Exactly. Right. Like some like, shootout or something. Yeah. Sure. So that's, but the way Josh Allen played, yeah, it feels like there's a good MVP. There's chance. a good chance. I would say he only threw for 297. Rams didn't yeah, make know, that I game long those three enough. Yards. Didn't make it a game long enough for him to even get over yeah. 300. They needed, you know, Stafford to not be so terrible for the entirety of that game. Um, Are we overreacting to the Rams? Probably not. They're going to be fine. Unless, like, all of that was because of Stafford's shoulder and that whole unique injury that he right. had or elbow, whatever it was. 
right? Maybe if there's something like, oh, his elbow hurts. But I think that was more of the offensive line just got caved Crushed. in. And it, if it's that bad the entire year, oh, the Rams aren't going to the playoffs. Not even going to be close. But it it can't be that bad all year. They no. will figure something out to where it's not that bad. I did have um, Greg asked me on Twitter yesterday, uh, is the Rams offensive line worse than the Raiders? Um, no. <laughs> I think a lot of it had to do with Buffalo. Yeah, it's a little bit of a concern if you're the Raiders and you uh, watched the Rams last night. Do you think so? I I think a lot of it had to do with Buffalo. Let let me me see. Let's see what happens uh, against the Chargers and Bosa and Mac. Let me see Week One because there's there's for some reason there's this weird part of me that has a little bit of optimism that the Raiders are going to be able to work around their offensive line. Like yeah, and until we see it, I'm I'm not going to completely rule it out. But there's this weird part of me. It's like okay, they because they clearly didn't prioritize the offensive line at all no and it seems like that's going to be stupid it seems like we're going to look back and say well that that was an obvious problem with last year's team and you did nothing to fix it so obviously you you failed there but because they did absolutely nothing I'm kind of like maybe they've got a good idea of what to do so that it doesn't matter I don't know there's just a little bit of optimism um I need to complain about something by the way we are one game into the season I am already tired of hearing about the mechanic of how de- uh, delay games get called when the play clock runs out. Okay. So Mike Tirico did it last night. The Rams snapped the ball with zero on the it play was zero clock. zero on the clock. And Mike Tirico's like, well, the mechanic of this call is the ref looks at the play clock, and when it goes to zero, then he looks at the snap, and if it's already snapped, the play is clean. Why can't the ref look at both? The play clock is on eye level. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can see the center and the play right. clock at the same yeah. time. It doesn't take you two seconds to go from play clock. No, because to if center. it takes two seconds, they're never going to call it yeah. because the ball is going to be snapped. Your 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 head. Even if it even if it wasn't, even if the ref had to turn around, it doesn't take an entire second to go look where the ball is. It's unreal to me that referees cannot properly call delay of game when the play clock runs out. But we get well, this especially ex- the guy calling right. It. But we get this excuse every game from the announcers, like, "Well, the mechanic of this is that they've got to look at the play clock, take three seconds to locate." They want to the sound center. smart. It's stupid. Just look at both at the same time. They want to sound smart because they want to talk about mechanics. It's stupid. It's th- I'm already tired of hearing about it. You hear about it every single game because every game there's at least a snap that gets that allowed. Gets, that's allowed with after zero, zero on the play clock, yeah. and they're like, "Well, it takes the referee so long." To go from looking at the play clock to looking at the center. I'm like, no, it doesn't. This is the only sport in the world where we're like, ah, the referees get a three-second grace period to go from looking at the clock to enforcing right. the rule. It's stupid. Just call the delay a game. You well, and it's also, it. like you said, if you're looking straight at the clock, which they are because they're looking at the play clock uh, down the field, right yeah. where they're at, they can out of their, let's say you could look at that with your right eye and with your left eye, you can look at the ball. Right. We ask first base umpires in baseball to see the, First baseman catch the ball and the runner's and foot. The foot. Right. They can do both. And they're actually pretty good at calling outs and uh, safe and out at first base, right? They get that like probably Except 99% Angel of the time. Oh, yeah, it happens. <laughs> but like 99% of the time, they usually get that right. But we can't ask the NFL, uh, what is it, the umpire that calls that to look at the play clock and the center at the same time, even though it's all in the same field of vision. Right. right? You don't have to stare straight up at the jumbotron no. to see the play clock. It's right there, field level, for players and, and referees to it's see. not the mechanic of the rule. And it's still like, ah, well, 
They get an extra two seconds because it took me so long to find the center. It's stupid, and it annoys me when they explain it away. It's like, no, the refs are bad at their jobs. There's no mechanic about You know, this. he went from a little positivity towards the Raiders to this. <laughs> it's great. He just he, And I thought he'd end with his positivity, but he didn't. Coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. How are you today? Hi, Ben. Hey, guys. How you doing? I mean, I, I definitely can't complain. We got real live actual football happening yesterday, and uh, we got a lot more coming up this weekend. So uh, best time of year, that's for sure. Well, at least one team played real live football one. last night. Um, <laughs> all right. I, before we talk about anything actual football players do, I have a question for you. Can you explain to me why in the NFL – we allow this dumb excuse of the mechanics of delay of game are that the referee has to look at the play clock and then it takes him an entire two seconds to look for the center to snap the ball. So therefore some teams can snap it with zero on the play clock. Why is this the only referee decision in the world where there's like this weird two second buffer between what the actual rule should be and what teams are allowed to do? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's poor, right? I think we see it. Every single game, probably, if you're actually watching, you know, the play clock tick down. I think it's um, it's one of those things that should definitely be automated through some sort of computer, uh, you know, situation where they can actually just buzz in as soon as the clock hits zero. I'm not sure why that hasn't been implemented yet. I know people want to get this, like, feel real life, you know, this is being made from a human perspective, but I think it's kind of similar to balls and strikes being called in baseball. And I think yes. it's something that uh, a computer could definitely figure out relatively quickly uh, and make the game a whole lot better from everyone's perspective. Like we're perfectly fine in basketball with a shot clock going off to say, Hey, your possession is over, yeah. but we can't have a buzzer or a light go off to say, Hey, the play clock's dead. It's stupid. And, right. and then I mean, it's, it's and then we get the excuse from every announcer, well, it takes the referee so long to go from looking at the play clock to looking at the ball as if they can't see both in their line of vision. Right, exactly. I mean, I have kids. I know uh, I can look at two things at one time pretty easily, and I think <laughs> I'll be able to do that. Are you getting the idea Tyler doesn't like this? He does. I mean, I and I get it. I mean, it was kind of it was bad last night. Obviously, really sloppy game in general, but uh, I think that is, you know, a pretty decent take when I think it's going to be, you know, pretty prevalent here. It has been for the past couple years. And I do think it's something that is a pretty easy fix and kind of a low barrier to entry. It's something that should definitely be resolved. We've overreacted this morning. The bills are winning the Super Bowl. I mean, you're in line with betting markets now, right? I don't think, <laughs> uh, I think if that was your prior before the season, there was, there was really nothing uh, except for positives to kind of take away from that. Right. So I do think uh, it, it definitely fits. I'm not even sure if it's a, uh, a huge overreaction at this point either, I would say. Did you walk away from that game thinking, wow, the Rams offensive line is really that bad or wow, the Bills pass rush is really that good? Um, I'm going to go with more the Rams offensive line is really that bad. I know, you know, the Bills obviously won the trenches battle and I think that was obviously the key to the game. Only had to send four pass rushers, didn't blitz, you know, a single play whatsoever, 38% pressure rate. Uh, and kind of lived, you know, in Matthew Stafford's grill the entire game. I think it was more the offensive line. I think that, you know, the loss of Andrew Whitworth was probably understated in the offseason. Uh, Matthew Stafford's never been a guy that's handled pressure all that well, except, especially that interior pressure, which we saw a lot of last night. So uh, I'm concerned more from a Rams perspective than, uh, you know, crowding the Bills as 
you know, the, the legitimate top-of-the-class type defense, which this is what they looked like last night, but uh, we'll see if that carries forward here in the next couple of weeks. I suppose there was no value on Josh Allen to begin with with the MVP, and I suppose after last night you just there's you just completely stay away from him. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, basically the front runner, uh, nothing really changed out of the ordinary that light last night. I do think that, you know, maybe a little bit, they do look like a more complete team. I think, you know, the questions as far as, like, is Gabriel Davis going to have this type of, you know, blow-up season like we saw in, you know, the playoff run that they had last year? And I think, you know, with him in the fold, they have guys like Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie as well. They have a lot of options offensively. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, their their front seven, front four, especially, um, you know, on defense is a lot better than what they were last year. So when they do get Tredavious White back in the fold, like they are, uh, you know, by far and away, I think the team to beat right now in the NFL. The Chargers are potentially going to be without J.C. Jackson for their week one matchup with the Raiders. Does that make you want to play any Raider receiver props? Um, I think it definitely helps in a lot of ways, right? And I do think, you know, a guy like Devontae Adams, uh, makes a lot of sense. I am kind of curious to see uh, how how the Raiders approach um, you know the slot position at the wide receiver with both Hunter Renfro, Monte Adams, even Darren Waller, kind of splitting out wide there. So uh, those are spots that I'm kind of interested in. But I think you know Devonte Adams over six point five receptions going to be heavily targeted. No one can you know no one can stop him. Um, you know in the Chargers secondary, I think he has uh, by far the best. Uh, matchup advantage according to PFS wide receiver cornerback matchup chart. So uh, I think he's in a smash spot, and I think we're going to see you know eight, nine, even ten receptions from him on Sunday. So if that's happening, uh, Carr I think is two sixty six five. Do you like that? Um, I would probably lean towards the over. I do think uh, I do think we're going to see you know a pretty productive Raiders offense. I um, you know I personally like the Raiders to cover this game and potentially win outright as well. So. I would probably lean more uh, in cars like completion number prop, which I'm not actually seeing uh, one right now if I'm looking here really quickly. Um, but I do think like, you know, maybe over 36.5 pass attempts, something like that. Uh, I think we're going to see a high functioning passing offense that isn't really catering too much to the run. And I do think that's going to be uh, the best version of the Raiders offense. So I-, I would only be inclined to be taking Derek Carr's overs at this point in time. All right. Can you uh, walk us through your play-by-play simulation for pro football focus and what exactly that's going to mean for uh, sports betting? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, basically we spent the entire off season doing, and I got to work alongside two guys that, you know, I respect greatly from uh, a modeling perspective and everything else. And what we do is basically, uh, you know, we start the game off, kick off, coin flip, everything else. And we take into account, uh, you know, prior information on the team level, on the player level, and on league-wide trends for how each particular play is going to happen, what's going to happen in that particular play. We take into account, you know, down distance and all those, you know, league-wide type situations. Then we take into account both uh, team level and player level strengths offensively and defensively and kind of walk through, you know, 150, 160 play uh, type game. And we do that a thousand times. And it does give us this, you know, wide range of potential outcomes for how every single game is going to play out. And I do think, you know, even in watching, uh, you know, the matches yesterday, like football is a really random sport. A lot of things happen. There were, you know, a ton of turnovers. I think there was like five interceptions, uh, you know, a few more fumbles as well. Uh, And actually being able to model that can only really be done effectively, I would say, or predictively 
from a bottoms up approach. If you're looking at, you know, some of these model type situations where people are looking at from a top down perspective, there's just uh, too much variation of what happens in any given game uh, to make it probably, uh, you know, less accurate than what I would say, you know, the betting markets are putting forth. So you kind of try to take the opposite approach, basically trying to try to throw, you know, as many numbers as we possibly can at it and then, you know, get a bunch of results uh, and then cherry pick the best ones. And I think that's, um, you know, the best approach, I would say, from a modeling perspective, if you do want to actually be, uh, you know, if you do want to actually be successful sports betting. So I'm offering that tool to, uh, you know, PFF subscribers. It's going to be backing basically all of our betting tools as well. And it's something that, you know, I'm really excited about being able to put together some of the inner workings of that. So is this going to put out, I assume it's going to put out, you know, score uh, models here, but is it also going to put out like individual player numbers? Yep. So it'll give us, so like yesterday we had, um, you know, a number of different uh, outcomes for how well, you know, a guy like Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, or anybody else. It also is going to give us, you know, how many tackles uh, a guy like Aaron Donald has, how many sacks a guy like Von Miller has. So basically any individual type stat that you want to look at, uh, you know, from a game perspective, that's going to put out. We are capturing tons of information. It is like a huge problem to solve as far as even just like storing da- data and those sorts of things. Thankfully, I don't really have to work on that. Uh, but it is uh, the goal of it and, you know, the development of it has basically been focused on being able to output every single aspect that a sports book would be able to potentially price. And I do think that we've, you know, captured all of those scenarios. Uh, and actually done it from a really solid modeling perspective. And I think it's, you know, what I said in my tweet was, I think it's kind of like the first of its kind uh, simulation that pairs both worthwhile data and modeling as well. And I do think that it's going to be, you know, some of the best predictions that you could possibly find on the public-facing market. A lot of people say no heavy road favorites the first week. Do you think any of them are vulnerable? And there's only a few of them. Yeah, I mean, not too many, to be honest with you. I think... It's tough. I do. I do. Um, I, I don't know. That it is. It is an interesting question. Obviously, we saw um, you know the, the the home dog type situation not really come into fruition for the Los Angeles Rams yesterday. Right. Um, um, we'll see. I think. I don't know. I like the Packers in Week One uh, against the Vikings, so I'm kind of going against you know that that idea as well. But. Uh, outside of that, I think I think the Raiders are a pretty decent bet here coming up on Sunday as well. But you don't see like Baltimore slipping. I don't see Baltimore slipping. Um, no, I don't whatsoever. I do think the team that I'm I'm not necessarily worried about the Kansas City Chiefs at this point, but I am kind of worried about them covering uh, as you know that road favorite up to six and a half even in some spots mm-hmm. right now. So I do think Arizona is better than a lot of people are pricing, and I do think. That would be the one spot where I think the home dog is uh, probably going to cover here in my from my perspective. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Thanks. Uh, so there is uh, Ben Brown. By the way, PFF Raiders are uh, plus three and a half. Uh, the PFF gives them a fifty-four point four percent chance of covering. Well, Ben's got them winning outright. Yeah. Well, could, uh, they'd cover if they went outright. Yeah. It'd be helpful for him. So there you go. All right. Coming up next, uh, we are giving away a hundred bucks. Well, we're going to try to give away a hundred bucks. Dollar Loan Center's Friday football frenzy is back. We're going to give three NFL games. Whoever our right caller is here in this break is going to get a chance. If you can pick the winner of those three NFL games, you win a hundred bucks. Thanks, Dollar Loan Center. If not, that hundred dollars will roll over 
into next week, and somebody will have a shot at $200. So call now. We're going to take caller number five at 702-364-1100. If you're caller five, when we come back, you're going to get a chance to pick three NFL games for 100 bucks. 702-364-1100. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. It is Friday Football Frenzy, brought to you by Dollar Loan Center, offering signature loans up to $5,000. Stop by one of their 34 locations in Las Vegas and Henderson. We are giving you a chance at $100, and we'll give you a chance at $100 every week. Sometimes it'll be more than that. If uh, there's a loser, it all rolls over. Somebody will get a shot at $200. So now we've got Michael on the phone. We've got three NFL games that Michael will have to pick. All he's got to do is pick the winners of these three games, if he can just pick the winners, he gets 100 bucks. If not, there will be $200 up for grabs next week. All right, Michael, your first game is Ravens at Jets. Ravens at Jets. Do we need much thinking there without a spread? Okay, we'll take the Ravens on that one. All right, your second game, Browns at Panthers. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they figured that match out with Baker, but I'm going Panthers. All right, so Panthers winning. And then the final game for you, the Buccaneers at the Cowboys. You really got to pick that game. (laughs) I never bet against my Cowboys because I never bet against the Cowboys. So uh, I got to take my Cowboys. All right. right. So Michael's picks Ravens, Panthers, and Cowboys. If those three win, you'll get 100 bucks. We'll let you know how to get that. If not... We'll have two hundred dollars next week, Michael. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Michael. Sure. Take care of yourself, man. Thank you, sir. So. Okay, so I'm seeing a pattern here. Of well, you're going to give a layup. Yeah. So okay, here's you're going to give like a three foot jumper, and then you're giving a three pointer. So here's what's happened. We have done this the last two years. I was just looking through this last night. Thirty five weeks we have done this. We have had seven winners. Yeah, but they've won a lot. Yeah, well, one guy unfortunately won 200 bucks last year because he won in week two. But okay. usually we have, we've had seven winners in 35 weeks over the last two regular seasons of football. Right. So my idea here is let's, you know, give Lay them, up. instead of giving them the three closest spreads of the right. week, let's give them at least one easy one, one tough one, one maybe two tough. Listen, if everybody wins like the first four weeks, we might go back to only <laughs> tough games. Maybe. But I still think it's going to be relatively tough because eh, there's upsets. And yeah. Like, no. I don't think the Jets are beating the Ravens, but the Browns could go beat the Panthers. That's not too difficult. And the Bucs could definitely beat the Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys, Bucs is whatever. Toss-up. It's fairly close to a toss-up. So that's the the plan this year is at least one easy game among the three. Hopefully we'll be able to give away a little bit more money. I believe, I didn't double-check this, I believe we've had more people get all three games wrong than all three games right. Oh, I'd have to think that. Yeah. Given we only had seven winners in 35 weeks. Yeah. So I think we've had more people get all three wrong than right. Um, by the way, thank you to uh, our favorite listener, Fernando, who <laughs> told me the back judge is responsible for the play clock, and that's Fridays with Fernando. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Fernando's trying to brand his own segment on the show, but thank you for telling me who I should direct my anger at with the play clock. It's the back judge, not the umpire. Um, so, one NFL topic for you on the Ravens, who are in our picks this week. Lamar Jackson's deadline to get a new contract signed is today, Friday. Is that going to happen? I think we have a better uh, chance of uh, the prediction of Darren Waller coming true than Lamar Jackson. Oh, that's right. Two hours and six minutes away from the Darren Waller (laughs) extension. Yes, two hours and six minutes, and there will be a Darren Waller extension after we're off the air. Uh, So Lamar Jackson said the deadline is Friday. 
His deadline to have it or to his play deadline. the season? To play the he's, season. He's playing. Yeah, he's playing Right, what season. I'm saying is he's not going to negotiate during the season. Right. So here's my legitimate question for you. Why would Lamar Jackson not negotiate during the season? Uh, when it comes to that much money, I have no idea. I because don't even know why. Well, could it be that he doesn't have an agent and he wants to, and it's a much tougher for him to do this than if he just did the Darren Waller situation, like I'm just here to play and let my agent deal with that stuff? Well, then hire an agent if that's the problem. But in well, all seriousness, like I, the presumption here is that Lamar Jackson is not getting as much guaranteed money from the Ravens as he would like. And maybe he wants it fully guaranteed like Deshaun Watson got, or maybe he just wants more. But in all seriousness, if the Ravens came to him in week four and said, here's $230 million guaranteed, is he saying, nope, sorry, you missed my deadline. I'm not accepting your $230 million guaranteed. I think he has reserved the right to change his mind (laughs) like I did on the Cincinnati Bengals last year. So then it's not a real deadline. Right, like no, when you say I've got a deadline. Not if someone's coming to you four weeks later right. with the much as much as you want. Right. No. If, the, if the Ravens offer him everything he wants in the middle of the season, he's accepting. Yeah. He's he's not going to worry yes. about whatever dumb deadline he set for himself. So in reality, it's not a deadline. Now I can understand he's not going to he's not going to be like, all right, I'm going to a two hour meeting on Tuesday to talk to the front office about how much that. I, I can understand saying that, like, hey, it's the middle of the season, guys. But if the Ravens walked in and said, hey, we're going to give you what you want, he's accepting the deal. Yes. So. If you're the Ravens, do you feel any pressure to get this done today? No, they haven't gotten it done yet. I don't think they feel pressure just because he said there's a deadline. Because like you said, if they ever agree to what he wants, then they know he's going to accept it. But if they haven't agreed to it yet, I don't know if they're coming back in week four. Right. Especially if they're 4-0 <laughs> and saying, yeah, we're going to give you everything you want. I. It's a curious situation where he's been so good for that team. And they've been good since he's been the quarterback there. Haven't won the Super Bowl, but have been good. But they have not come to some sort of, I mean, even Kyler Murray got a deal done, right? And he deleted all his Instagram posts. So it's, it's fascinating <laughs> what's going to actually happen with Lamar Jackson.